Well, all right. Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Hanging out with you guys every week. We are so grateful. Right here from uh, one of the premier schools. We talk to you about it all the time. The East Valley Institute of Technology. Lots going on here. By way of automotive skills. By way of welding. Nursing. There is a smorgasbord. Right here from the East Valley Institute of Technology. And it is always a privilege to, uh, we've heard from you guys, uh, all of our Ranch Nation. I don't know what did we call them, Ranch Posse, Susie, but folks that hang with us on a regular basis, uh, whether it be the podcast or they're listening live. And um, we, when we tell you that we're grateful, we, we do mean that because I think we're inundated. Like there's a lot of stuff. Like we got like 80, like we're here, we're there. <laughs> what did he say? What, you know, we're all over. So we do mean that. And I invite you to get on Ranch Nation Dot TV. So if you dip in and out of the show, uh, we had a uh, special edition last week. We had uh, Phoenix Art Museum on, Legends of Speed, uh, 22 of the, I'm telling you, legend. When you put legend in a headline, it better be legend, and it's a legendary 22 of history's incredible race cars. And, of course, Lynn St. James, you can catch that show. Also, a uh, big shout-out to Megan Meyer, uh, first woman world champion in HRA top alcohol dragster uh, for all my young females. In fact, we have Chloe in the garage. She's 17, 18 years old. She's starting as a wrench. 19. 19, sorry. <laughs> I make a, but they told her no. And and for her to listen to that show was inspirational because, uh, you know, here you are. So a smorgasbord of shows that you guys can get onto. And then while you're in there, uh, get onto the email. Uh, we're not going to sell you any crap. I mean, no penny stocks. So just get onto the email Put it on there, and then we send you out a nice new news uh, newsletter weekly, where we have things going on in the garage. Speaking of which, Susie, uh, tell us uh, the fascinating. The fascinating. What's happening in the garage? Well, let's get the shout outs out of the way. How's I like that? shout outs because we like shout outs. We like people coming to the garage and visiting. Well, yeah, but let's set the precedent so you know. Listening, maybe you're new to our show. Everybody likes to be shouted oh out on like the air. Hear their name it's on just the radio. something. I don't think that ever changed. Like we want to hear our name on yep. air. Yeah. So we love doing that for you. Now here's the catch: you gotta stop by the garage. You don't have to spend any money. Just come by, give us a hug. We got coffee, tea, hot cocoa. We do have hot cocoa. And you get a shout out. That's so right. who do we got for the shout out? So we've got our parts authority vendor, uh, oh. Tony Lloyd. Tony's a big rock star. He is a big rock star. He comes every week religiously well, to say hello to all us. All of our weekend listeners, KFNX and of course uh, 90.7, uh, we've heard from you. A lot of you are, you know, in the car, you're, you're doing your uh, sales runs and it's not easy. And, and Tony's the kind of guy, he's, he's very consistent. He is. Can we agree that if we're going to have any equation to, I don't like the word sales, but let's say I'm going to present you something. Mm -hmm. Consistent. You got to be consistent. And Tony is that guy. So thank yeah. you. Big shout outs to Tony. Yep. He maintains our relationship very well. Yes, he well. does. Who else we got? And then we got Ashley Green. First time meeting her today. She was nice. What Ashley, I, I, you know, I love, um, and you guys think we're probably, oh, what are you guys talking about? But I mean, we fix cars and yep. fairly well. And But really at the end of the day, it's all about the people. And Ashley kind of put a smile on my face because, I mean, she wasn't smiling. She had an issue with her car. Yeah. But I but thought it was cool she brought her whole family in, too. That Remember was cool. that? That was fun. And, when, and just so you know, Ashley, when your family left, we were like, man, that's a cool family We right like there. them. We were like, can, you, can we shut down and come with you guys? Because it seemed like no matter, they could be at the dry cleaners and having a big old celebration. They'd be having fun. So that's our shout outs. We appreciate you guys. Also want to remind you, uh, holidays, people. I know tomorrow, some of you are late on your turkey and you're struggling, you're stressed. But I don't want you to struggle or stress during the holidays on something that we see an uptick on, and that is car thievery. Mm -hmm. People are stealing stuff. They know you're not on your guard. It's Christmas, Santa. Right. Hanukkah. Yep. And we're shopping. We're doing a lot of shopping. And, and, and all of you folks, I get it. I do it. It's terrible. We're in our phone. We're like, oh, gosh. But would you ever not lock your door because your key fob doesn't work? Well, you know, I have been in that situation mm -hmm. where, look, you get home, you're tired. You think you live in a safe neighborhood. <laughs> Nothing's happened in years. You leave the car open and next morning, like, 
All right, what happened here? Where's my purse? Where's so my money? Happened? Did you have something happen? Yeah, my daughter. Uh-oh. The key fob got lost, and so she didn't want to manually lock the door, so she's like, Mom, my money, my purse, everything's gone. That's craziness. It is craziness. I uh, mean, what a way to open the door for a thief. What would I do if my daughter did something like that? I think we'd have a sit down. Would you? Well, first I need to establish, honey, do you, do you know what a key fob <laughs> is? <laughs> and then, by the way... It takes absolutely no effort to take the pointer finger and click on the lock. Click, That's click. right. I mean, God forbid if she had a ninth, uh, an old Nova where you had a steel, like a steel <laughs> rod to push down and lock the doors. So that's fascinating, I find. Sometimes. Yeah, that is fascinating. So, so check this out. In Australia, um, Australia is changing the fast food game, Frank. Wait a minute. You said Australia? Australia. So this I, is for all my mates out there, like Paul Northey. You said it in a nice way. I like that. Australia. Like Australia. All right. What's going on with the Aussies? So the Aussies, they KFC opened a drive through restaurant that's going to take fast food to a new level. So check this out. They're serving meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken meatloaf. <laughs> well, what's that stuff they eat over there? Um, well, no, they, they do fried chicken. Oh, you're talking about the Vegemite? I don't, you better not put no Vegemite in the KFC. Dude, we had that before, remember? The colonel would be, he'd turn upside down in That's his grave. That's right. But check this out. They did a, they do an app where you can actually order in advance. And they actually have about five stables. Is well, like, what Star- they call like Starbucks? Yeah, but you know what it looks like? It looks like those, you know how when you cross the Arizona to California, you know, the inspection stations? Yeah. That's what it looks like. I don't know if my chicken will be fresh. It will be fresh. Will it? Yeah. There's no seating, though. There, that's what the future is. That is. It's and, kiosks. Yep. Well, what are our youngsters going to do? What kind of work are they going to be doing? I don't know, man. But, you know, since they launched it, 1.3 million have downloaded that app. And it's a faster distribution well, and happier koalas. I mean, Aussies. They yeah. mean, they get to, you know, they get to pick up their food. Why and- Australia, you figure? I mean, why would Australia... I mean, that, there's a reason why. Are they a heavy app-based economy? They might be a heavy... Yeah, that's a good question. I maybe mean, they just want to Do be- they not care about the attention of their chicken being passed to them? No, I think they just want faster, more efficient I don't think we have sales. neighbors. I think people like to have their chicken passed to them in well, a drive-thru. It'll still be a pickup drive-thru. But you I just- mean, like... I guess not waiting. Like, what are you? What are you asking, Frank? I don't know. Let's I like, see how we can do this. I like my greasy chicken. You can still. Have I don't think. Chicken. I don't think you'll be able to deliver chicken fresh with an app. Why don't we go to Australia and check it out? I say we do that. Okay then. All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So Mazda, we got some news. Like we talked about this on the show. Speaking of subscriptions, everybody has an app. We subscribe to stuff. It's convenient. We want to just click it, plug it, order it, pick it up, and off we go. We don't want to see people. Maybe. <laughs> uh, the subscriptions for your car. Now, dig this. Uh, a lot of you, would you agree? Car is expensive. Payments, insurance, all right. this. But what if I could tell you as a manufacturer, I'll give you a subscription. It's one fee. Includes insurance. Everything you need. Car washes, oil changes, maintenance. And you could change it at the end of the year. Like a bundle. It is like if the bread is old, we'll get you a new basket of bread. Get out of here. <laughs> it is. This is the wave. Again, we as marketers, people want to meet. Well, we got to meet where the consumer's at. And this is so Mazda? Mazda in the UK, of course, is smaller. The big player right now, of course, is uh, Volvo. Care by Volvo. Um, they're one of the boldest to service the U.S. currently. And it's a subscription. So it's just a bundle. You pay every month. Okay. You don't worry about anything. I mean, you got to put gas in it. Right. But at the end of the year, you say, okay, I'm done with this one. You still pay what you got to pay. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's small little fees, transfer fees, but it's a subscription. That's interesting. One shot deal you could change. Because some of you driving, I know how you are. You get bored with your cars. Like, well, I need another. I, I'm, but to, to do that realistically without a subscription, how many would you do that? Carrying over finance and loans. And so yeah, you have yeah. a subscription. So that's, that's the future. It's wow. happening. Now, within that arena, we talk about technology often. Um, I thought today's show topic would be interesting because a lot of you heard about it. And some of you aren't clear. Some of you don't care. Like, it's casually heard, well, tariffs. How are tariffs going to affect me? What is going on with China, the U.S., and Mm -hmm. the rest of the world, for that matter? How does this affect commerce, specifically, since this is an automotive show, how is this going to affect everything from manufacturing, tooling, 
auto parts, the whole supply chain. Now, I don't think we've seen, and of course, our special guest who is going to join us, Lori Harbour. Uh, she's president and CEO, Harbour Results Incorporated. She leads a team of analysts and manufacturing consultants. She's our gal. She knows what's going on in this climate. Because I'll tell you, we've had some small talk at the garage, and I've heard a lot of falsities. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured we set the record straight. Our tariffs currently a big deal are we in for a rude awakening and i and i will say this was somewhat fresh and of course we'll have Lori on here shortly to set the record straight china and the united states are currently moving closer to agreeing on a very beginning phase one now we don't know we yeah. we don't know what's going to happen but i will tell you we are paying attention now, how about this? Your water pump job costs you 300 bucks on average. Next year, it goes up because parts go up. Materials are manufacturing. So what's going to happen with that? Now, some of you are saying, well, it's really not going to be an issue. We're all making money. <laughs> 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 I, I beg to differ because uh, that is uh, key. So we are privileged and honored to have uh, CEO Laurie Harbor of Harbor Results. Uh, you know, they focus on revitalizing uh, the manufacturing side. Specifically, she works very closely with the manufacturing side. And so we are going to bring Lori Harbour on. I want you to stay tuned. We are going to dive in. Are tariffs a big deal? Is the media making this a big deal? Are we being tantalized? Does so the media, media, well, the media can do that. Yeah. Now, some of you couldn't care less, as I said. But if you're in the automotive industry, you may want to care. So stay tuned. We've got Lori Harbor, CEO of Harbor Results Incorporated, Ranch Nation, next. Bolt-On Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Frank and Susie, uh, always an honor to hang out with you guys right here from the East Valley Institute of Technology. I invite you, uh, as, during the show, you may have a question or two about your car. Text me your phone number and off air, I will make sure I get to you guys. Uh, so uh, tariffs, you know, uh, you guys are shopping. Everybody's out there. Maybe you saw a difference in uh, furniture or, you know, that lamp that should have been 30 bucks is maybe $34. And right now, it's, it's we're not in the danger zone, maybe is what you think. Um, I can tell you that there is, wouldn't call it an uproar in the automotive industry, but many folks are certainly paying attention. How do we deal with that? Um, U.S. car manufacturers have already began to experience some of these su supply chain uh, disruptions, uh, steel, aluminum, and tariffs. So to set it straight, we need the authority, and um, we are honored to have Lori Harbor of Harbor Results, of course, uh, uh, Lori, I have to set you up. Uh, you are earned your BA from University of Michigan, Operations and Management. You work long-term strategies and improve operations across the board for manufacturing and tooling. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Uh, I know there was a ton of other stuff, so we'll get to, we'll, we'll set you up on the next <laughs> few breaks. Uh, so, in order to have you on, let's just get right to it. Um, we mentioned a bit of what uh, some people would say. Well, I'm not watching that. It's fake news for whatever reason. Are the current climate of tariffs a big deal? They are absolutely a big deal. Um, for every manufacturing company in the U.S. market, it's a big deal. And, and some people have their, their head in the sand about it, and others are taking it very seriously. And, and it's a good-bad thing. So there are tariffs that are really positive to the U.S. economy and grow jobs, and there are others that are causing many manufacturing companies to struggle. Um, but remember, it is what our president ran on. It was all about tariff and trade and equalizing those things. And so it is a constant change in the, in the rules of the game every day for these manufacturing companies. Yeah, no, and I agree. And, and, and I think you guys listening can agree as well. Um, you know, we're not talking party lines or anything here. But the big deal, I am a corporation, a small business. I have worked hard for my intellectual property. And to see that, sort of being, well, let's face it, uh, Lori, can I say stolen? 
Yeah. Uh, let's just face it. And so understand that some of this is negotiating our ability to protect our intellectual property. Do you see that conversation as a forefront on a lot of uh, folks in the manufacturing interest uh, uh, interested parties? Yes, it's a very important issue, particularly with my tool suppliers. So when you think about a guy who makes an injection mold or a stamping die, and every single part on the car requires either a mold or a die. So these these are young or these are, uh, you know, small companies that are, are um, have been around for a long time, and they're usually employing 20 to 50 people. So it's sort of the heart of middle America. And frankly, every single part on a car starts with the design of a tool. So when we send our, our 3D diagrams over to China to, to ask them to quote on it, we just gave up every bit of our intellectual property. And that's a big, big part of the intellectual property um, debate that is happening with our government and the Chinese government today because they have been uh, accused of many, many times of sure. stealing those designs and replicating. Well, let me ask you, um, is this just solely left alone in China or is this kind of practice globally? Do, do other countries feel like, oh, yeah, we can steal in- information? Is that is that happening? Would that be an argument for China to say, well, we're just doing what we're doing, but other countries do it as well, if I can ask? They, they can try, but most of the tools, you know, on the import basis of tools, about 95% of them come out of China. We're not buying tools in other regions of the world um, unless BMW's plant in South Carolina is buying it from their plant in Germany, and, and they know the intellectual property there. So, it really is largely a China issue right now. Yeah, and I saw um, just recent news, of course, Germany, um, you know, a little bit of a recession going on over there. They're, they're really trying to make the right decision. Uh, of course, Huawei is a whole different story, but doing business with China. Uh, you know, we'd all love to be amicably doing business. It has to be in a fair practice, but it, it seems like Germany currently is kind of struggling with that. They are, but I will tell you, I've been to China many times, and there are tools for BMW and Mercedes all over shops in China. And it really, Frank, comes down to a cost issue. Imagine these traditional OEMs are all investing in new technology like electric and autonomous vehicles, but they also have to continue the internal combustion engine product. So they're being challenged to compete with guys like Tesla, who are only making an electric vehicle product. So Every dollar they can save, and, and if that's in tooling at the tune of 25 to 30 percent, they're, they're going to go after that cost reduction. Yeah, and in such a competitive climate, I mean, as consumers, um, you know, the cost of vehicles have, have gone up. And gosh, we now have, what, a seven, eight-year finance deal where years ago it was a little five-year loan. And, you're, you know, um, it makes perfect sense. You know, in the garage, I can't speak for many uh, automotive technicians across the country. They listen to the show. Every mechanic has a weekly addiction to the tool truck, right? And, <laughs> and I, you know, I got to tell you, we just got back from Apex. I think, uh, Lori, uh, I believe you were out in Apex uh, Automotive uh, Parts Expo. Yeah, we had some of our team there, yes. You did, yeah. And, and that's a great place to be to get a vibe of truly what's going on, the heartbeat of a lot of these news and current events. And I didn't quite see a major, maybe because a lot of garages are really doing well. I mean, right now, let's face it. The automotive industry, by way of fixing cars, is doing well. And I didn't really hear the conversation, hey, Matt, what'd you pay for that tool? I think I overpaid for it. I mean, we've always been paying, overpaying for tools. <laughs> right, right. Um, could we be effective, um, you know, in the traditional handheld tools uh, with these tariffs? Um, I, I, yes, I think the short answer is yes. We, we are working diligently right now with some associations to get the, the mold tariff um, reinstituted uh, that was removed on December 28th. And one of the two or three of the companies that actually are trying to keep the tariff gone are those that are actually manufacturing the tools you're actually describing that, that your um, guys are turning wrenches using every single day. But they're asking to have no tariff because they claim they can't make the tools here at a competitive level. Understood. And so I think we're going to see more of that for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I might as well ask, is there anything that we can do, whether it be automotive aftermarket or uh, franchise dealers? We have a lot of folks listening from uh, the dealership OE side. Is there anywhere we can go to help with this? Is there like a petition that we can sign for any of these uh, proposals? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of associations that are supporting both the the metal side and the plastic side that are, are, you know, lobbying to the USTR to help them understand why some of these tariffs are so critical. 
and and what it will do to jobs here in America and to cost structures. If cost structures get risen to a point that we can't we can't afford, then it creates the difficulty for companies to stay around. I mean, it's very much why we look at companies like GM and Ford and say, you're global companies. We have to have a mix of global parts in order to stay competitive. So there are associations to turn to and there are people, you know, it's writing your senators and your congressmen and telling them the impact you're seeing today. And they are listening. They're absolutely listening. Yeah. With the uncertainty uh, surrounding these uh, trade tariffs that are actually impacting the tooling supply base, we're honored. If you're just joining us, we've got CEO uh, Lori Harbor of Harbor Results. Uh, talk to us about Harbor Results. I am a company. I've, I've, I've let's say, second generation. Uh, I've kept up with the, with the times. What kind of conversation are you having with me in regards to how I can prepare in 2020 if, uh, if tariffs go south for me? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the, the number one thing we're focused on with companies is driving flexibility in their business. And, and flexibility means cost control, balance sheet control, and the profitability to be able to take a, a downturn and an upturn, right? So it's not just about losing 10% of your volume, but it's it's your biggest customer asking you to do 20% more volume and your ability to flex up to do that. And it's really under, it's driven, number one, by leadership, the leaders who are constantly challenging the organizations to control costs, not allow sort of sloppy behavior because we might be a little profitable. And, and most importantly, it's market intel. We still have people who ask us every day, so should I be paying attention to this tariff thing and, and even looking at any market intelligence? And that frightens us a bit because it's been here since Mr. Trump took office in 2016. Yeah, Susie's got some questions. We're going to get this on the next break if you're just joining us. Uh, we've got CEO of uh, Harbor Results, uh, Lori Harbor. We're going to find out steel is a big deal. Steel is involved in everything. How does steel and perhaps powdered aluminum and all these uh, materials really affect uh, the economy based upon what could be a dangerous play on tariffs. Stay tuned. Ranch Nation, next. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores. Nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time. The quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me? My clients. And they're likely not to come back. Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores. Amazing service. Knowledgeable counter folks. A complete line of original equipment. Parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, get on to Parts PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. Let's get on RanchNation.tv. And of course, a lot of my podcast family out there, catch us on any podcast player. It's uh, got a deep level of shows, maybe after Turkey, a little... Uh, you know, I get a little, what is that called? Tryptophan? Tryptophan. Get a little, uh, you know, tryptophan. Listen to a few of our shows and, of course, always uh, invite your comments. We are always looking to grow the show. And if you have a particular guest or neighborhood rock star mechanic that you'd like to highlight in the show, we invite that. WrenchNation.tv. Listen, the current fights to position the United States in a leading role for manufacturing, that's a pretty big deal. Will we ever go back to days of old when we were not? quite the global market, that's the key, right? And maybe some of these uh, uh, NAFTA deals and so on without getting complicated. How does the current tariff climate really affect you listening? Whether you're in the automotive realm as uh, you're buying car mats or a stereo or you're replacing that antenna at your favorite retail store, how does that affect you? So to help us navigate, uh, we've got uh, CEO Lori Harbor, Harbor Results, uh, You've been around for a while, Lori. Um, this is a hot topic. What keeps you up at night currently with your consultation, if I can ask? What are you really focused on rolling up your sleeves to provide that, that level of consult uh, with your clients? Yeah, it's a great question um, because I do get kept up at night about it. We, we work with a lot of small and medium-sized companies, you know, guys under $20 million in revenue, and they're people who are second, third, and fourth generation from their grandfathers. And it's really about reinventing that business, right? The world is changing, and sometimes we get frustrated because we can't help people see that these things are important, that they have to consider and they have to, to, to take note of and work to make changes. And sometimes we get stuck in kind of the old 
culture and not not moving to improvement. And so, uh, you know, that's our challenge every single day is I'm here to make a difference and an impact with North American manufacturing. And so um, we're trying to, to, to kind of open people's eyes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, to give you guys listening a perspective, uh, GM's Romulus powertrain plant makes about 400,000 of the V6 engines uh, a year for Cadillac, SUVs, light pickup trucks, and some of the other GM vehicles. While the process of manufacturing, the pistons, pistons, uh, they may have changed slightly in design, but unless it's electric, we got pistons. Pistons ain't changing, right? <laughs> I mean, they, like I said, they may have increased in design. Now, dig this. Would you like to know how a piston travels? It has a journey. As the piston is manufactured, it has a cross-border journey um, from, it says, uh, well, first off, the V6 is 235 parts from 100 primary suppliers, 67 ship from factories in the U.S., 13 from Mexico, 8 from Canada, and 12 from elsewhere. Elsewhere is elsewhere. We elsewhere. Don't, maybe we don't know. <laughs> but, um, and of course, most of the electronics are coming from Asia. You know, that, that's, a, that's a big deal for supply chain. I would imagine, Lori, that any, any hiccup by way of price structure really, well, that'll keep you up. <laughs> I mean, uh, Absolutely. For, for sure. And, and that, you know, there's a reason why some of those, compar- those parts are in sort of the elsewhere regions you talked about. But this is a reason why our USMCA tariff deal that, or, or trade deal that um, President Trump really worked with Mexico and Canada to negotiate is such a critical part because we need to have cross-border in this continent because we've done it for years. We've built up the supply base, and it's what's going to give us that hybrid model and allow us to build vehicles and powertrains and engines like this at a cost-effective rate and not force us into some of those elsewhere regions that we that we talk about. So, well, Yeah, questionable. Some, some of this trade's yeah. good. Exactly. And, of course, uh, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade uh, agreement is what that is, if, if you just uh, sort of heard about it, um, signed in... Uh, 2018, a lot of part of uh, uh, 2018. So, I mean, that that would be the future. Susie, you had a question about suppliers that may have done business, let's say six months ago, and they've got TV sitting at the border because they're not sure if they're and they're sort of hedging. Talk talk to us. Yeah, uh, ask so Lori about your. My question is so like I I just struck this deal with China to get these TVs over here, and um, you know, is the deal that I locked in is it going to be modified? I mean, I'm waiting on these, let's say, 1,000 units or something, and are they going to say, well, you know what, now that tariffs is 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 in place, am I... Let's wait, because yeah. I, I can get more margin. Do you see a lot of that, like products sitting at the border to get the best deal before it ships over? Yes, there is absolutely a lot of that. When they first put the tariff on molds, there was people who had molds being built in China that they couldn't get back over here because the Chinese wouldn't release them until somebody committed to pay that tariff for them. Oh. You know, there's a there's a belief that by tariffing China, the Chinese will get hurt. They're not paying that tariff. They're passing that on to their customer. Yeah. So they were holding tools or TVs or, you know, Apple iPhones. They're going to hold those hostage until they can get those paid for. And so it's it's a definite serious battle between the two governments to be able to, to manage that back and forth. Before we get to steel and uh, aluminum, powdered aluminum specifically, um, these plastic molds that you talked about, uh, the average listener right now probably thinks, well, plastic mold, that's extremely boring. But we don't realize that's like the epicenter. That's like the start of just about that hairbrush, plastic mold. I mean, everything's pretty much. And so I imagine the, the injection mold industry, they're... Of course, we talked about, of course, they're up at night. Maybe they're also losing hair. I mean, how do you manage promoting that industry and still being on a level playing field, as you said, with with China? What's the future of that? Well, the the future in the industry is is good. However, it absolutely has a lot of headwinds. We we actually have lost 10 shops just since January of this year, just to pure bankruptcy partially because the tariff was put in place in July and then it was lifted in December. There's currently not a tariff on tools. In the, in the industry, the automotive industry, in terms of new vehicle designs, got a little slow. So the China market was hungry. 
And so they do what I call buying business. They drop their price in order to win the, the, the business. And so it's a very difficult industry to be in. Nobody, nobody you know, inherits $10 million and says, hey, I'm going to go be a mold maker because <laughs> it's just a very tough business to go into. Um, and so they have a lot of things they have to focus on. And that's the, what I talked about before, controlling costs and being better. They will never be China price. We can't compete on labor no. just because of cost alone, but they can be better at what they do. You, you got, I mean, I think the basic tenant we talk about, whether it's a lemonade stand, an automotive garage, or, uh, you know, automobile manufacturer, you really have to be swift on your feet and be able to modify on the fly. You said something that, that's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, we saw this in the automotive industry, areas of the Midwest, is Detroit. In fact, we had somebody today we talked to, just about everybody from his family in Detroit, all automotive related. I can imagine, you know, a fifth generation injection mold company, a proud company, fed their family well. That That's a problem right now. Absolutely. And it is 80% of the makeup of the tool supplier community. It's, it's uh, immigrants wow. that came over here and landed and started, you know, great grandfathers, and then their sons grew up in the business. And remember, this is a skilled trade job. This is a very highly paid highly skilled job. I, I actually joke, my son is a mold maker. And I say, he's smarter than every engineer I went to school with. He sees in 3D and he can build a tool in reverse. And and so it's a very high skilled, it's the jobs that, that our government wants to see back in this country. And so to lose those um, is a real challenge for this industry right now. Yeah, if you're just joining us, uh, honored to have uh, President and CEO of Harbor Results Incorporated, Lori Harbor, uh, working diligently, especially now in this climate, uh, with their team of analysts uh, to guide uh, manufacturers on how they can manage this. Um, I, you know, is it fair to say that we probably won't have a skies falling, nothing on the level, you know, that 08 economic correction was, well, let's just face it, it was hell for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, big, big, small, large, medium, that was tough. Do, do you see anything in the future, not remotely related to that, but are we due for a correction that if we don't pay attention here, even if it's a small, if it's it's a normal, I guess a ten percent in the marketplace, how's that going to affect the consumer and more importantly the manufacturers? They've got to be able to go on the fly, is what you're saying. They have to be able to have flexibility. Yeah, that's that's right. And I'm glad you asked that because we actually do study the economy quite a bit. And we there's a you you said something at the top of your show about how the media tends to make make us believe certain things and and I love the media at some level but we have absolutely been being told that we are going into a recession because it's been 10 or 11 years of expansion and the data is not showing that today the data is not the data is saying that we will probably see a minor adjustment in other words car sales might drop 4% if a manufacturing company cannot afford a 4% drop in their volume, then they have bigger problems in how they run their company. So the, the data really shows a very positive outlook. The, the thing that's leading us to believe we have a recession coming is the automotive OEMs are taking a pause and redesigning vehicles for the future. They're redesigning electric product and autonomous product and pouring money into R&D. And so they announced some restructuring to save money so they could put it into that development. And that's making people believe that we must be seeing a slowdown. Yeah, while they're also maybe eyebrow-raising of Mr. Elon Musk and his <laughs> Cybertruck. I mean, he's got the whole marketplace saying, oh, wow. What's your thought on that Cybertruck? Did you see the Cybertruck, Lori? I I did see <laughs> that truck. Um, I kind of felt like I was watching the Back to the Future movie. Exactly. Very progressive. Um, yeah, and and you know the interesting thing is I, my, I I say what you want about Tesla, but at the end of the day, Elon Musk is nothing better than a great marketeer, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, oh my yeah. God. he he's, PT he's Barnum. Like that is PT. Right. That PT Barnum has come back <laughs> alive by way of Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like Steve Jobs, right? It's it's why we all stand in line to get phones and technology, and so. And he has started to turn the corner on profitability with Tesla, and he's now offering different products that, that people want. Remember when the electric car came out with Tesla, it was when everybody stopped buying cars and started buying trucks. Right. Now that oh, trucks that's right. coming out. Yeah. Right? Now well, there's a reason why he's out. got, I mean, he's going to, there's a reason why. He didn't come out with a little tiny Fiat 500 like Tesla. I mean, 
The truck right. market is, I mean, he's, he's pretty brilliant. But um, I imagine that, uh, of course, our folks listening, you've probably seen the sizzle, uh, which was great PR, where they threw the steel balls. I think it was pre-planned. And they were like, okay, these are wing, these, these, this glass will never break. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and it, they both broke. I mean, I thought that was ingenious. Like, the average person knows that glass will break up to a certain right. point. It's like, you know, we're not, it's not the presidential limo. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. um, so talk to us about steel. I mean, you think of steel, maybe, you know, you have this vision of, you know, our mills in Ohio and, and sort of the, 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 the sort of big days of steel right. in the Midwest, and many people were connected to the steel industry, are tariffs affecting our, our sort of uh, materials by way of steel and maybe, maybe aluminum and such? Absolutely. It was the first tariff that President Trump put on with the 232 tariffs on steel and aluminum. And, and it changed the game for a lot of people who were buying exotic steels out of other countries. Um, but, you know, there's an interesting dynamic you have to remember about the steel industry. Obviously, it's probably the industry that's gone through the most turmoil over the years when you think about, you know, Pennsylvania and all the challenges in oh, Ohio, yeah. like you said, you know. And so, but so for, for years, years ago, they were asked to grow capacity and they grew capacity and then the, the, the work never came. And so when President Trump put this tariff in place, he had a goal. He said, I want you to be at 80 to 85 percent capacity through this tariff. And we're there. They're at 85% utilization of capacity today in our steel mills in the U.S. So the tariff has helped in that we grew our steel industry back here. The, the problem is that the, the tool, or sorry, the steel industry, they managed the market. In other words, they, they increased the price of steel across the board, even on metals that were not being tariffed. So they used the opportunity to grow price and print money and put in their pockets. And that's what we're seeing in the steel industry today. And so now the president's asking him to increase capacity. And they're saying, nope, we did that before and you didn't deliver. And we aren't making that investment. So it's, it's, you got to be careful a bit about the steel industry because they've been burned. And so they've learned the game and now they're, they're, they're playing the game. Yeah, they've been around and it makes perfect sense. Before we cut to break, uh, and of course, if you're just joining us, uh, honored to have uh, Lori Harbor, CEO, uh, working together very closely uh, with manufacturing uh, in the medium and medium-sized manufacturing to develop short and long-term goals, especially through this uh, climate. Uh, it's almost revolutionary, and I think some of you would agree. Hey, we did shake a tree, and we just couldn't keep doing business as usual. I have a heart for intellectual property. I know there's a lot of other great points regarding manufacturing, but that really bothers me. Um, this has got to be a big deal, especially as it relates to um, the software side and the computer IT side of manufacturing. It's a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is the sticking point today that is driving the wedge between China and U.S. coming up with a trade deal is that President Trump is very focused on intellectual property and the, the dishonest behavior that they have seen from China. And that's what's holding back uh, some of the, the biggest solution to these problems. And, it, and I'm glad he's tackling it because it, there's no doubt, having been in China, um, it is a major issue. And, and it, is t it tends to be a China issue. You don't see the same thing in India, for example, um, or in some of the other regions like Europe and, and other places. I'd like to um, step in. Uh, we're going to cut to break, uh, Lori. I'd like to step in a little bit. I know it's not probably related too much to tariffs, but can we discuss a little bit about 5G? And I'd like to maybe dive in and, and, and inform our listeners about the whole Huawei situation and how that could be a big game changer if we're not paying attention. So, Lori, please stay tuned. You guys hang out. We're coming back. Lori Harbour. Boy, oh boy, Lori's giving us the facts. She's not messing around. We're going to talk about some of the uh, immediate future as it relates to, well, how about connected car? Stay tuned. Wrench Nation.
Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time. The quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me? My clients, and they're likely not to come back. Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, get on to partsauthority.com, check locations nationally near you, partsauthority.com. Welcome back. Uh, Frank and Susie hanging out with you, Wrench Nation. Get on to wrenchnation.tv or your favorite podcast player. Uh, catch all. Well, what is uh, this? Is show number 181. Certainly, uh, thank many of you, our Saturday listeners, hanging out KFNX uh, 90.7 and again on 88.7. The Pulse, as an industry thought leader, Lori Harbor of Harbor Results. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you guys get on to Harbor Results, H A R B O U R results.com. If you're in the manufacturing business, maybe maybe you've got some questions or, hey, something's going on in your operation. Uh, Lori and her team are your go-to. They also have the uh, Harbor Report. It's a landmark study of labor efficiency. Gosh, do we look at that, Lori, in our garage. We are labor, like, dialed in. Most people don't realize that. Welcome back, Lori. Thank you. I got to jump on this whole productivity and efficiency. Most people don't realize a, a good automotive service operation, the invisible thing, like the tangibles parts, you can see that. But you don't see, unless you look at your bank account <laughs> or your P&L at the end, of, labor productivity. And that's a space that, even with technology, that you are really um, leading through by consulting with many of the uh, manufacturers out there. That's right. Definitely. It's, a, it's the most important thing that you control because you don't control material costs. Right. And what, what you do control is the labor in your building and standardization. And I'm sure, you know, I, I can honestly say I've never worked in a shop like yours, but the reality is it's still, there's still some standard processing, right? Oh, yeah. And the, abil- the ability to drive that standard into the business to improve efficiency and, and turn vehicles through quickly so that customers are happy. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and Lori, you're do. invited down to the shop any day. Oh, yeah. Come you down. know, all of our, Lori, if you're in Phoenix, we. <sighs> Just don't come in the summer. I, I, would, I, would lo- I would love it, but I will come in the winter for sure. Yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, in fact, we invite you and your team. We always joke around. Um, you know, we invite folks uh, over coffee, tea, or hot cocoa, take a tour of our facility. Um, always. That's always uh, out there. Now, listen, many now think the real issue uh, is whether China has that right to go full on to develop its own homegrown high-tech industry. And, of course, this sort of tech Cold War, some of it, uh, Trump's position and many on Huawei. Let's let's step back, tell the people what Huawei is, if they don't know, and why why we should be worried about that. Well, Huawei is a massive conglomerate. I mean, they are doing all kinds of things. Frankly, they own a mold building facility in China. Um, but they're a massive conglomerate, and their their penetration right now is they're attacking the the market around, as you said earlier, five G and and the phone services. They're looking at you know they they have been in the past working with companies like Microsoft and Apple and Google and and all these companies, and now they're trying to um, bring technology into this country that uh, the president is is pushing hard against, and so. They are threatening, the CEO of that company is threatening to essentially create their own uh, cell phone network and market and and take over um, what has been established already. And, and there's, it's been a pretty significant threat to both both the companies who are, are servicing that, like a Google and, and particularly Google, but also um, to the U.S. economy. Wow. Um, I mean, they, I, I think any country, if they can develop, Legally, their form of industry, technology, they should bring it out in the world marketplace. But, you know, we're in a time where it's a funny business. It's not fair play. And we're not crying. Look, this country's not crying. We're not crying. We just want fair play. And we also want, if we're going to have a global commerce. I mean, I go back, Lori, um, and maybe this is silly, but 2,000 years ago at a Roman bazaar. Could you imagine? <laughs> I stole your stuff and I'm making it now and I'm underselling you. 
I mean, I guess that happened. I don't know. Is that the case? I mean, are is can we do anything about that? That's my concern. I mean, we're trying. But has it yeah. been a time-honored tradition for countries to fight this way? If we can't make it, we'll copy it, and let's see how we can steal some market share. Well, well there's, no now, there's no doubt that the Chinese um, market has moved faster in their technology adoption in the last you know, 5 to 10 to 20 years than, than we have. It's not that we don't have the capability, but they're moving fast and they're making things happen. And the, the big fear right now, as you know, is that the, the world is, is turning into a cyber market, right? It's the whole Internet of Things. And it's like when you go out to, to dinner with your wife and you wake up the next day and the place that you talked about going to visit is on your Facebook. That's scary. Oh, that, I know. Uh, Lori, that I don't weird. Listen, I like to think I'm young at heart and I'm technologically savvy and social media savvy. That stuff scares me right there. <laughs> right, right. They're they're watching you. They're 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 hearing you. They're listening. They're gathering data, and so the fear is that again, there's been some very proven cases of of a stealing of intellectual property, and, and this is what our government's very concerned about. And, and frankly, they've invested in and given education to the younger generation more than we have in our country. And oh they've gosh, developed a whole set of young folks who are yeah. out just breaking into things, right? Isn't that the case? You know, we talk about that. that we're one of the crazy ones that do 300 free all changes for the teachers. <laughs> yep. Because we think they're our heroes. And we've yep. been doing that for eight, nine, ten years. And we've done a crappy job. I mean, you know, educators overseas, whether it's in Europe, uh, Germany, I remember growing, uh, going back to Germany, born in Germany. If you saw a professor or a teacher, you stopped and you sat down and you had a conversation. They were the elite of society because they were educating. While here... We don't do enough for that. And so I hope we're not paying the price um, long term. I don't think it's too late. Do you feel that some of your clients, you've taken them far, they're doing well. Are they having conversations that would sort of suggest, you know, I've had a great run. I'm out of here. Uh, unfortunately, I actually do have a lot of clients that are like that, particularly, again, in this tool industry we've talked about. There's yeah. a lot of culture of pessimism and they look out and they see 3d printing and they see china and they see some of the pressures of the automotive industry slowing or changing to new technology and they're saying you know i'm 65 i don't really have anybody who wants to take over this business because my son or daughter are not interested in this yeah we see that in the automotive industry i mean they're they're pretty much the exit plan is is you know well it's my time and i've had a good run um and, you know, and I say that because uh, all of this has an emotional side that sometimes we forget. Like, we look at our phones, high tech. We don't realize, like, there's distributors, manufacturers, all of it. There are people. There are families. And to me, it's, it's disturbing. I mean, I can appreciate where the current administration is going. And maybe, well, I'll just say it. Maybe we fell asleep for way too many years. I'm not, we're not a political show, but I can admire that we're at least having a conversation and we're, we're at that. We're on the side of the road, rolled up sleeves. Yep. I think this is important. Um, and so I imagine with some would say that China technology wise is, is making their strides. Some would believe, boy, uh, they may have us beat in the electric car market. Do you think we're slow to that as compared to China? Are we, we're going to have a tough time? catching up or are we okay right now no, i think i think we're okay i do i think we're okay there's some very very good companies here and frankly our traditional oems like gm and ford and others are doing a, a phenomenal job of really investing in this space and i don't think we're behind there i think we have to stay on top of the game and we need to bring in this this new younger we need to get this younger generation excited about automotive vehicles again well, you know, we we, yeah. we lost that in the recession. We need to get them excited again, and we need to get them bringing their thoughts and ideas and technology into what we're doing. But I don't think we're behind, but China, China moves fast, so we have to stay ahead of the game. No doubt. And I'll tell you, one of the premises of, you know, we're busy running a garage and active in the industry and so on, helping our neighbor, things like that. But one of the premises of Wrench Nation was really, if there's a fighting chance, like, to invigorate car culture and bring on you know, whether it's NHRA drivers or somebody from Italy to talk about Ferrari, you know, that that's our movement. And and so um, 
I know that you're doing a lot of things uh, by way of that. And I, I, I quote, it always stuck with me. Um, Craig Jackson came on the show. We did some work with Barrett Jackson last year. Hope to do more work this year. And he is a roll-up sleeves kind of guy. I mean, he started Mop Bucket, wasn't privileged like some would think. He started from the bottom. And he said, share what you got. Yep. Share what you got. And and uh, if you're listening, there are car shows galore. We may have a little rain here in Phoenix over the next few days, but this is our car show season. Grab a few youngsters, man. Get them from digital faceplant to under hood faceplant. And I'll remind you, 100 million lines of code on that F-150. So if you have a youngster that's really, God, this kid's eight hours playing Nintendo. He's really savvy. He's just got that knack. Well, we got we got a whole network under that hood. <laughs> and so um, I, I think that's important to say. Um, as we part, where can we catch up with you? You know, the podcast, we've got a lot of our podcast family that will listen to this. Are there any events perhaps in the next few months that we can send folks to visit with you and don't scare them, Lori. I know that the time is, uh, you know, but just sort of inform and enlighten further on the conversation. You're doing an amazing, uh, amazing job there with your, with your team. Yeah, we have several events in the new year. It's kind of holiday season now, but we have several events in the new year. And probably the most interesting thing is going to be the the Detroit Auto Show, which has moved from January to June next year. And, ah. and just being able to look at some of that technology and talk to people and, and bring kids down, as you said, get them excited about looking under the hood and looking in the code. And, and I always tell people, if you're in manufacturing, take your kid into the plant. Or if that's how I learned. I went in there when I was eight. Or take your kid into your shop, right, where they can see it and feel it and touch it and go, hey, I want to build stuff, and this is cool. Well, we're crazy that way. I've got Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We are, like, full bore. I mean, it's so interesting to see a little Cub Scout. I mean, there's not much, you know, I mean, we're not teaching them flow charts of a carburetor how to set things. But to pick up a one-inch gun, and we let that sucker light in this, poor, this little six-year-old's hand. It's just kind of, <laughs> So I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, Lori, you are incredible. We appreciate you spending time. Lori Harbor, I invite you to get on to harborresults.com if you're in the manufacturing business. Uh, trusted advisor to many in the manufacturing industry. Uh, they can certainly help you. Harbor, H-A-R-B-O-U-R, results.com. Lori, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And, of course, uh, we are uh, always, we tell you, as being on the show, oh, yeah, if you're in Phoenix, come see us. Oh, heck, yeah. <laughs> uh, very fascinating. I mean, Susie, I, I think we take some of that for granted. Absolutely. About, about, like, I think people are paying attention a little bit more, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, because it is news. But don't get down with the fake news. A lot of this information was very straightforward. And uh, so it's always an honor to have guests that uh, are compelling. They're, they're experts in their space. So uh, we wish you guys an amazing Thanksgiving. Don't forget, it's not about the big things, man. It's the small things. Don't get stressed. A lot of you coming off of finals. Uh, you know, some of you got projects. Uh, come back from Thanksgiving. You're running to, to the end of year. Take a deep breath, man. Some of you got in-laws you may not want to see. (laughs) It's okay. Find the good. I know you can do it. And we certainly appreciate you guys hanging out with Wrench Nation. Uh, WrenchNation.tv, man. Catch some of the shows. And happy Thanksgiving. And as I tell you every week, be safe. Hug each other. And never forget to hug a mechanic.